Tonight I want to talk about power to be a witness. You know, I got born again. You've all heard my testimony, you and I, in a dorm room. Some guys came, they knocked on the door. They asked me some questions. The light came on. I said yes. My name uh, was retained in the book of life. And it's, it's been, how can I say, the greatest thing that ever happened to me in all my life. But the second greatest thing that happened to me is I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I went from total depression. Even though I got saved and I had hope and I, things were better, I was still struggling with depression. How many of you just hate depression? Depression's a drag. Yes. Depression's of the devil. That's what it's going to feel like in hell forever. And the devil will come and talk to you, and, you, and you're not suicidal. That's the devil whispering that in your ears. If you've ever felt and you thought you were suicidal, just say, shut up, devil. That's not my thought. That's not my idea. That's yours. Don't ever claim, don't ever own that idea. Somebody say, I will not own that idea. I will rebuke that idea. I'll recognize the origin of that idea because it's the devil. It is. Let me tell you, it really is. Honestly, I've, I've dealt with that devil before. I've, I've experienced that myself. And, and, I, and I, I didn't want to do it, but the thought kept coming to me. And, you know, he'll pound you with that if, you, if you're fighting some depression. He, he'll make you depressed. He'll make you think crazy. And he makes some people do crazy things. But you know what? Uh, you need to stand up to that and speak it with your mouth. Your mouth will rule over your mind. That's why the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth before it says, And then thou shalt meditate there and day and night. Mouth first, mind second. Mouth first, everybody say it, mouth first, mind second. You want to program your mind, do it with your mouth. That's why God gave you that. You want to rewire your brain, your neural pathways, start speaking something over and over again. It's called meditation. It's called speaking to the mountain and the mountain being thou removed. It's talking about using faith and reprogramming your mind in line with happiness, in, in line with love and, and peace and joy and long-suffering and the fruit of the Spirit. God will do that. But today, we're going to talk about, tonight, I should say, we're going to be talking about the power to be a witness. Turn with me to Acts 1.8, and we're going to start right there. I'll tell you what, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I went from depression to extreme joy. I didn't just get delivered from depression. I was delivered from depression, and then I stepped into this whole different realm of extreme joy. It was like nothing else I had ever... It was better than going down uh, to the hill, down to the bars at you and I. It was better than drinking, you know, a toddy. And it was better than downing a cold beer. It was better than anything that you can imagine. Now, I didn't do any pot. I didn't do anything like that. But I did drink some before I got saved. And I'll, I'll be real honest with you, it tasted like crap. And I was really stupid to do it. And I'm really glad that I, I quit. I even quit that even before I got saved. And then I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I got drunk with the new wine and had joy, unspeakable, and full glory. And that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, it says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now, we need to make a distinction between the Holy Spirit within us and upon us. There are two different things there. The spirit within is getting born again and the Holy Spirit living inside your spirit. But Jesus had the Holy Spirit come upon him. How many of you know Jesus didn't need to have the Holy Spirit come in him because he was already saved? He wasn't a sinner, right? So you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. 
underline in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, we all have the Holy Spirit when we get saved, right? Amen. Amen. Now, we all got the Holy Spirit came inside of us and lived in our spirit when we got born again. And when we get the Holy Spirit living upon us, power gets released. That power took away depression and brought joy into my life. But more than anything else, it's power to be a witness. Now, we're going to talk about that power for our own personal edification later. But tonight, we're going to talk about it because we're coming off the two sermons I talked about, Philip the Evangelist. How many of you remember our two, last two weeks we've been talking about Philip the Evangelist? We've been talking about evangelism. Well, tonight, we're talking about the power to be a witness, not to do witnessing. A lot of people out there trying to do witnessing. And I'll tell you what, that doesn't work very well. But the power to be a witness is what really gets people saved and gets people's attention. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, that you shall be my witnesses in both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So there is a power to be a witness, a power to be a witness. It's not a skill. You can get really good at soul winning, but until you have this power to be a witness, you won't be as a nearly as effective. Now let's go to another place where it talks about this power to be a witness. And of course they prayed in Acts, the fourth chapter. We're going to read verses 31 through 33. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. We're in Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, filled with the Holy Ghost. These are people that were already Christians, that were already praying. In Ephesians 5, it says, be ye being filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to always be being filled with the Holy Ghost. There's an initial filling, and then there's refillings, just like your gas tank. In all seriousness, that is what it's like. And it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with timidity. Oh, excuse me, it says boldness. Being filled with the Holy Ghost will make you more bold. Being filled with the Holy Ghost will make you bold. That's why it says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that they ought the things which possessed was their own. They all had things in common. And with great power. Now here's it says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You should receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be my witnesses. So power, Holy Ghost, and witnesses. You're going to find those three things are linked together over and over again in the Scriptures. Everybody say it. Power, Holy Ghost, and witnesses. Those things go together. And with great power, the apostles gave, excuse me, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great graces upon them all. Well, you know, we just read they were all filled with the Holy Ghost in 31. You ought to underline, we're all filled with the Holy Ghost. And spoke the word of God with boldness. And then in 33, with great power gave the apostles witness. So there's great power and witness. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be my witnesses. So the Holy Ghost comes upon us. He gives us power. That power produces a witness. What is it bearing witness to? What is the power bear witness to? That there's something beyond us and the natural laws of nature. 
natural and supernatural. The word natural comes from nature. Super means to supersede nature. Supernatural is to supersede nature. That's what supernatural means. So when something unusual and supernatural happens, it gives witness to what? It gives witness that there's something beyond this natural world. Can I get an amen? In other words, there's something spiritual. There's something that goes beyond natural things. So it's giving witness to the spirit realm. It's giving witness God is a spirit. They that worship him will do so in spirit and truth, it says in John 4 and 24. So we have a, a witness to the supernatural or the God realm or the spiritual realm. There is a witness. There's an evidence here. There's something telling us. There's something giving us evidence that there's more out there. That's what it means to be a witness. Because I'll tell you what, if I'm just going to get saved, listen to Christian doctrine, that ain't going to work for me. I need some power. How about you? Anybody need power tonight? Power to get delivered from maybe drugs, maybe depression like I had, uh, to get delivered from some things. People need more than just a set of doctrine. Doctrine doesn't excite very many people. But when you have power and some supernatural things start happening, where's that doctrine? I want to start reading that stuff. I'm going to find out what this means. What is this? You know, and it's the power. Is you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Power to get healed. Power to get prospered. Power to get free from whatever is oppressing you. People, that's what people are looking for. But they're looking for it in the bottom of a bottle, in a porn shop, in the end of a needle, and a joint in their mouth. You know, they're looking all the wrong places. Yeah. See, but it says this in Romans 1 and 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Everybody say, the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus is this, that there's power to set you free. Power to set you free from sin and all the things that sin lets into your life. Which is oppression, which is devils, which is unhappiness, which is all kinds of terrible things that happen to us. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation means a lot of things. Salvation is the Greek word sozo. Sozo means healing. It means deliverance. It means wholeness. It means uh, completeness. It has about seven different emphases in that word. And so that power, you shall receive power. You know, not power to be a magician. Power to set people free from things. You shall receive power. After you know, I, I, nobody wants to. Nobody say, "Well, I get a witness to how smart you are and all your doctrine and, and all that you know." Big deal. Who, how many of you know that impresses nobody? Yeah. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. And then you might care, but can you do anything about it? Yeah. Sympathy is cheap. It's, do, do we have faith that can actually help change somebody's life? See, but see, the power to be a witness, this is what we're talking about tonight. They had power to change things in people's lives. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Acts 9, 17. It says, Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then in 1 Corinthians, uh, and, and you can just turn there uh, real quickly in Acts 9, 17. Yeah, how many know Paul got knocked off of his horse? Paul was riding his high horse of his holy, religious, I'm worthier and more righteous than thou. And, and Paul was a Pharisee. And 
Paul was super highly educated. He was an intellectual. Uh, he was a zealot. He was killing Christians. He was riding along. And, you know, God, God has a way of humbling all of us. Can I get an amen? amen? And so he knocked him off of his horse. It was a great light. All the men around it saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice. And, and he was there, and he lost his sight. And God sent a guy by the name of Ananias to him. And it says in verse 17, we're in 917 of Acts. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, putting his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So everybody say, Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then Paul had this power because look what it says in 1 Corinthians. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians. Now we said that they were all filled with the great power. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and great power to bring witness came upon those people in Acts 4. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be my witness. And we're in 1 Corinthians. Oh, I'm in 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> Chapter 2, chapter 2, verses 2, 4, and 5. Paul says this, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's just go back to verse 1. He says, And brethren, I came unto you not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here's the guy that was the Jew among Jews. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He kept the law. He had attained the status of a Pharisee. He was taught under Gamaliel, the greatest Jewish teacher uh, in the world at that time. And he says this, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with demonstration of the Spirit and of power. How many of you know God doesn't want us to be caught up in a bunch of high-sounding words and then he goes on and says this, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. God doesn't want you to put your faith in the wisdom of men because how many of you know men will fail you? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our faith should rest in the power of God. We, our faith should rest in the witness of God. Our faith should rest in not just a set of doctrines, but a relationship with God that produces power in our lives. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. God doesn't want your faith in doctrine and wisdom of men, but he wants it in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And then those doctrines will make much more sense anyway. So Jesus was also, so Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he didn't trust in his preaching, but he trusted in the power of the Holy Spirit being demonstrated. How many of you know when the Holy Spirit demonstrates that power, that's a witness to the supernatural? That's a witness to the power of God. What is the gospel? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Or you could even say the power of God in demonstration to bring salvation to people. Yeah. So we can see here that he was talking about this power that he wanted to demonstrate in people's lives. Demonstrated in that they get delivered from maybe their addiction, get delivered from their fears, get delivered from their sickness. 
get delivered from relational problems and, and depression, whatever it might be, we can be delivered from those things. The Bible tells us God wants us delivered from those things. Paul was filled with the Spirit, and he had the witness of God's power. All right. Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. Turn with me to Luke 3 and 22. Well, why did Jesus have to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, Jesus, he already has the Holy Ghost. He's God. Why would God need to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Why would the Holy Ghost need to come into Jesus? He didn't need to be born again. He never committed any sins because he came as a model for us to show us how to be empowered. He came as our model to show us how to be filled with the Holy Ghost and how to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. Now look what it says. Luke 3:22 and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. Wow. Let's just read the verse before it. Now when all the people were baptized it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying the heaven was open and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. Everybody say upon him. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Jesus didn't have the Holy Ghost come inside him for to be born again and to have regeneration and recreation to be a new creation. Jesus had the Holy Spirit come upon him. I'm going to show you that in just a minute as to why. And it says the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. So the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Acts 10.38, you can turn there if you want. But for the sake of time, I'm going to just quote, quote it. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now that's the whole trinity. How God, there's the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth, there's Jesus, with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good there's his witness and healing all who are oppressed of the devil tells you where oppression comes from doesn't it Jesus how God anointed him with the Holy Ghost why did Jesus need to be anointed with the Holy Ghost because the Bible says he became as a man and he made himself a model for us did you know Jesus never cast out any devils never preached any sermons never healed any sick never did any miracles until the holy ghost came upon him cuz his first miracle was at Canaan remember that and that came after this if you look chronologically Jesus never had any miracles he never preached any sermons never cast out any devils he never got anybody healed he never did anything supernatural like raising somebody from the dead until the holy ghost came upon him how many of you want supernatural power in your life the Holy Ghost came upon Jesus. And you can go to Luke, and it's, you know, he was anointed by the Holy Ghost and with power and doing good. That's the witness. In Luke 4.18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Everybody say, upon. He said, The Holy Ghost descended upon him as a dove. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost comes upon you. Now, none of them say, comes in you. Filled just means you've already got the Holy Spirit in you, and now it's overflowing and it's upon you. I mean, you know, you can take a glass, and if you keep filling it, it goes from being within, and it goes out, and it goes down the sides, and therefore now it's upon. 
Okay, I did that demonstration once here about a month or a couple months ago. And so when, when you look at that, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's the Spirit. That's being filled with the Spirit. Because he's anointed me. There's the empowerment. How I many being anointed is being empowered? Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal, to deliver. And he goes through seven different types of anointing. When, you know, it's about healing. It's about deliverance. It's about, it's about preaching. It's about all these things, setting the captive free, bringing sight to the blind. And how many know that's power to be a witness? How many know those things are all witnesses that there's godly power out there to fix us? So you just got to remember, if you, don't, if you don't remember anything else from the sermon, there's three things. The Holy Ghost, His power creates a witness. A witness that doesn't exalt you and how knowledgeable maybe you are or eloquent or have these abilities no, no, it can only God can get exalted when supernatural things happen. Can I get an amen? So that's what really makes it nice and clean. And it gets the human element out of the way. And you're just a delivery boy. But everybody knows when something like walking on water, raising from the dead, supernaturally healed, everybody knows that's got to be God, right? I mean, we just don't have those kind of powers. So when the Holy Ghost comes upon us and power goes out from us, and then there becomes a witness. Not a witness about our church or about our preaching or our gig that we got going on. The witness is very clean. It's very direct. It's very much about God and not about us. Yeah. And that's what people are looking for. Amen. They're not looking for another church with just a better, uh, better band. They're looking to get delivered. Right. Somebody say amen. Amen. There's a true witness there. Something touches deep down in their heart. Oh my God, God's really real. There really is a God. Maybe I can really be healed. Maybe I can really get delivered. It gives people hope. Can I get an amen? That's what people are looking for. Because, you know, their oppression is real. Now, is our gospel that we're preaching, I mean, they can feel that oppression. They can feel the devil messing their life up. They can feel the ill effects of sin. They can feel, they can experience, they can know it's real. They know that's real. How about if we know for real that God is for real? How about there's something that can fix all that stuff and they can feel it? How, there's a tangible, a tangible change that takes place. When the Holy Spirit comes. See, that's what we need to be able to dispense in this world. Yeah. Amen. Let's look at Philip again. Now, we've been pounding on Philip for the last couple of weeks. Philip is an amazing study. We talked about doing the work of an evangelist. We talked about uh, the, the different stages of evangelism, and we talked a lot about Philip. Philip's a powerful example. How many of you know over there? Let's, let's, let's just revert again and and we're just going to hit something that we hit last week. Let's go to Acts, the sixth chapter, verses three and four. And we know that the Bible talks about Philip. He was just, he was a guy working at the church, feeding the Grecian widows. But the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Ghost and with faith. Now, Philip is a guy. We're going, we're going to talk about those same things. He'd be getting filled with the Holy Ghost and having power and being a witness. Everybody say it with me. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, experiencing power, and being a witness. These are three things that are connected. These are three things that I want you to get deep down in your consciousness. Acts 6, verses 3 and 5. And the Bible is very clear. It says, when the brethren looked out uh, among them, it says, when, wherefore, brethren, look 
ye out among them, you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So the criterion is they got to find seven men that are of an honest report and are full of the Holy Ghost. If you've got a dishonest report, you're not full of the Holy Ghost. You may be full of some ghosts, but not the Holy One. <laughs> Not Casper the ghost either, probably. <laughs> Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom that we may point out this business. And then it says in verse 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man uh, full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, and Philip. So the criteria is that they were to choose somebody full of the Holy Ghost, and Philip got chosen. So what does that tell us? He was full of the Holy Ghost. Because that's what they required. Now, Philip, everybody say, Philip was full of the Holy Ghost. Now, let's see if he had any power. Go to Acts, the 8th chapter. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, that was verse 5, Acts 8, 5, and 6. The people with, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. There's the preaching. And then hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. There's the demonstration of power in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here's Philip, the guy that was full of the Holy Ghost that they chose a while back to be a deacon and to serve feeding the Grecian widows. And now... Because he's full of the Holy Ghost, now we're going to see if he had some power. And he must have had some power because the people gave heed. The people with one accord gave heed. The people with one accord gave He must have had a witness of God's power. Because the power was being demonstrated, and that gives witness that there's a God out there that has power to heal you and help you. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out. Many were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame, were healed, and there was great joy in that city. How many of you know Philip was full of the Holy Ghost? Philip must have had power, and Philip must have had a, quite a witness because he changed a whole city and made them filled with joy. Hallelujah. And later on you find out they're all hooked up with Simon the sorcerer, and they all had sickness and diseases and palsies and demons and all that got healed because they were hooked up with the wrong power source, Simon the sorcerer. Now, we, we aren't in time, but if you kept reading the rest of the chapter, you'd find that out. And then Simon gets saved, and he wants to get filled with the Holy Ghost, and he wants to pay money for it. And they say, sorry, guy, it doesn't work that way. You need to go repent. How many of you that's making a long story short right there? But anyway, because <laughs> we don't have time to go there. So filled with the Holy Ghost, power to be a witness. You shall receive power for the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be my witnesses. Now, I'm going to say this that the baptism in the Holy Ghost activates the gifts of the Holy Ghost. What is that power? The baptism in the Holy Ghost activates the gifts. Now, what does baptism mean? Baptism means to be immersed. I always made the distinction between the Holy Spirit coming in it to us to be regeneration when we get saved, where the Holy Spirit lives in our spirit man, and it's for us. When the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, to regenerate you in your spirit to become a new creature, to get born again. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that's inside you and for you. 
But there is a second work of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you and is for others. Now, it will affect you, and it took away my depression because it was power. But then there is a you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you that you might be my witnesses. Being a witness is for other people. Everybody say, for other people. See how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. See, now the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit upon, not the Spirit within. And the Bible makes a very distinct and clear delineation between those two Holy Ghost experiences. You get saved, and the Holy Spirit comes within, and then you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit rises up within you and fills you. That's why I call being called filled with the Spirit or the Spirit upon, because you're so full that it overflows, and it goes on as an outward witness to others. Amen. You start, it says, put on the inward man, which is created after Christ. It says, and be ye endued with power. Endued means clothed with power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. That's what the word endued means. So the, there's three threes talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. Let me, let me get, I'm going to mention this real quick. In the 12, 1 Corinthians 12, that 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's three gifts that empower you to know something. There's three gifts that empower you to say something. And there's three gifts that empower you to do something. And all of these become a witness for God. Now, in the first group, we're going to look at the empowered to know something gifts. And the Bible talks. Now, we're not going to read it tonight, but you read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. And we're not going to be able to get to all that because we're almost out of time now. But I'm just going to review this, and then we'll go over it in detail next week. Is that okay? Yes. We're going to pick up next week where we leave off tonight. We're going to pick up. We're going to teach more on this. But I'm going to just get it in your mind, then you can think about it a little bit over the next week. But there's three gifts, excuse me, categories, but three gifts that cause you to know something. It's called the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. The word of knowledge is knowing something supernatural that's present tense information. If there was a bad guy that came into this room and he had a gun in his, in his back pocket and he was coming here to shoot me or something like that, and the Holy Ghost says there's a man in the, in the third row and he's got a gun and he's going to shoot you, that would be a word of knowledge to protect me. And then we, I could tell the ushers to go escort the guy out or call the police or whatever we needed to do. That would be a word of knowledge. A word of wisdom is a supernatural piece of future information. For instance, there was a man who was going to get on the Titanic. This is a true story. And the Holy Spirit said, don't get on there because something terrible is going to happen. And they interviewed this guy in newspapers, and he had a ticket, and he was the only guy that didn't get on the Titanic that day. He was going to get on the Titanic, and God says, something bad is, everybody say it with me, going to happen. That's a word of wisdom. He didn't get on that day. He's the only guy that didn't have to go through that horrible experience, as many did, and even die as many did, because God gave him a word of wisdom. And then there's a thing called discerning of spirits. These are all things that God causes us to know. 
What it means is you're able to discern or pull back the curtain to see the spirits around. Every time in the Bible where it says that they saw an angel, that was discerning of spirits. Every time where Jesus said he knew their hearts, that they were planning to do something bad to him, he discerned their human spirit. You can discern a demon spirit. When Jesus knew that the devil uh, was in the man and he cast him out, he says these kind come out only by prayer and fasting. This one's name is Legion. And he discerned the demonic spirit in people and cast it out. We can discern human spirits when they're at work. No, when they're thinking evil. We can discern a demonic spirit. We can discern an angelic spirit. People have seen demonic spirits. People have seen angelic spirits. You can discern it when it's the spirit of God because there's a holiness and there's a righteousness and it bears witness inside your spirit where the Holy Spirit lives. So discerning of spirits is understanding these different things. I'll never forget, uh, the Lord gave me a word of uh, knowledge uh, about my sister. My sister came home one day and she says, guess what happened today? And right before that, I had been praying and the Lord said, uh, Ron has just proposed to my sister Colette, and they are going to get married in September. My sister comes walking door. She just says, "Guess what?" I says, "Ron proposed to you today, and you're getting married in September." She goes, "What?" And I was stepping out in faith because I wasn't sure it was the Lord, but I was pretty sure it was the Lord. She says, "That's the most amazing confirmation I've ever had. Praise the Lord!" And they got married. Hallelujah. I'm not a matchmaker, but the Lord just gave me a word of knowledge. Amen. Let me give you another one. The next three gifts of the Holy Ghost empower us supernaturally to say something. The first one is prophecy and then tongues and interpretations. Prophecy is to speak forth God's mind for you. In other words, his mind and will for your life and speaking it forth for someone. Tongues has three different types. Tongues can be a prayer, it can be a sign to the unbeliever, and it can be a message for the church. There's three different types of tongues. Not all of them have to be interpreted. A lot of people are confused on that. But there's a type where you just pray in tongues, and it's a supernatural prayer to God that supersedes your mind and your understanding. It's by the Holy Ghost, and the devil, it's encrypted. The devil can't understand what you're talking about. It's a code between you and God. Amen. It's very powerful. It's life-changing. And it's the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's the entry gift that opens up all the other gifts. Right. And there's a sign to the unbeliever. On the day of Pentecost, they all came and they all heard him speak in their own language. And the Bible talks about that that's a sign. And then there's a message and it says, uh, I would that you all speak in tongues, but rather you prophesy for greater things to prophesy. And he speaks in own tongue, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. That's 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. And that the church may receive edifying. In other words, if you're going to speak in tongues, you need to have interpretation. If you get up in front of the church and look at the people like you're talking to them and start speaking in tongues, unless we're all praying, and then uh, we're ministering and we're praying in tongues. So there's three different types of tongues, and that can be in heavenly language. Paul said, uh, though I speak in tongues, uh, he, he says uh, that of the tongue of men and of angels. There's angelic language. There's human language. Though I speak of the tongue of men and of angels. Then he says, in, in, first Corinthians, in, in Mark 15, 16, it says, and they shall speak with new tongues. And that's creational tongues. That's where there are no languages like that. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says this. He who speaks on tongue speaks not unto man, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit he speaketh in the spirit mysteries. One translation says divine secrets. We won't get into all that. That's confusing. That's a whole lot of stuff to remember, but we'll pick that up. Then interpretation of tongues. 
is interpreting the praying in tongues and interpreting the message to the church for a message. So those two can be interpreted. And it's interpret, not translation. It's interpretation. A lot of people say, well, you know, he got up and he gave a tongue, and I counted, it was 20 words, and when he gave the interpretation, it was 25 words. <laughs> no, that's translation. Interpretation is giving the same meaning, not a word-by-word -word transliteration. Amen. See, there's a difference. Interpretation is different than translation. Somebody say amen. amen. How many of you know there's even Greek words that there's no English word for? The word edification, there's no, there's no English word for that. It, in, the, in the Greek, it means to be charged up like a battery. And so those things are hard to understand. I remember that, that the power... The Holy Ghost empowers us to supernaturally say things. I remember the night before, I was, I, I'd been send, I sent in three transcripts to ORU, and they would never accept me because they never got the transcripts. And I kept calling down there. I'm going, come on, it's, it's, it's January, and this is second semester, and classes start tomorrow, and you, we're still dickering around here trying to figure out whether you're going to accept me to come down there to school, and I've been sending my transcripts. I've sent them three times. And I got so sick of it, I just said, you know what? I got up front of my two roommates, and I said this. I, I, it just came out of my mouth. I said, tomorrow I'm going to receive a phone call that's going to tell me I'm accepted, or are you? I'm thinking, yeah, but they don't have your transcripts. And, like, you're crazy. <laughs> that night I had a dream that Richard Roberts came to my house, and I said, if you can go talk to your dad and see if he'll accept me into the school, uh, would you please do that? He says, yes, I'll go talk to him. And it was like, Jesus is going to the Father in the dream. He went and talked to him, and in the dream, I'm sitting there waiting for Richard to talk to his dad, Oral, and I'm waiting at home by the phone, and in the dream, uh, the phone started ringing, and I woke up, and it was my phone ringing in my apartment. And I went and picked it up, and the first thing my dad said, you're accepted at ORU. I said the night before tomorrow, I'm going to receive a phone call that's going to tell me I'm accepted at ORU. I thought it was going to come from ORU, but it came from my dad, who called ORU in the morning and said, when are you, when are you going to get this straight now? We've been contributing. You know. And they said, you know what? He's got an excellent GPA. He's got everything we want. He get, and we're just going to accept him and believe. And as soon as they accepted, then the transcripts came. <laughs> Talking about the devil and the spirit of hindrance. But I just spoke that the night before. Just blurted out of my mouth. Tomorrow I'm going to receive a phone call. I'm accepted, are you? And I have a dream about it. And then the, the dream turns into reality because I'm thinking in the dream I'm hearing the phone. But it's really my phone. Figure out how God orchestrated that. And it told me I'm accepted. So, Three gifts of the Holy Spirit that supernaturally cause us to say something prophetic or, or of the Holy Spirit. Last one is three gifts of the Holy Spirit that empower us to do something supernatural. And those are the working of miracles, the gift of healing, and the gift of faith. We're talking about power to be a witness how many of you know all these gifts of the Holy Spirit give witness to the Holy Spirit's power in God's deliverance and salvation? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. The first one is the working of miracles. It's the suspension of natural law, and it is enacted, enacted or activated by doing something. You know, Jesus took mud and he put it in the guy's eye, and, and he was miraculously healed. Peter had to step out. He had to do something. He had to step out on the water and then all the natural laws of gravity and water were suspended, and he was able to walk on the water. Right. 
kind of, see, it's not the miracles, it's the working of miracles. It's activating this by stepping out and doing something. When they were chopping the wood and they were going to build a prophet school, a new prophet school, and the head of the axe flew off and it went into the water, the prophet came and he went into the water and the water began to, I mean, the, the axe had floated and he went out and he picked it up. So you can find a lot of things, you know, he smote the water, the prophet smote the water with the mantle and the water parted. How many remember that? It's doing something that causes miracles. I'm going to tell you about one that happened to me one time. But the gift of healing is doing something. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's the power to do something and have something supernatural happen. Okay, the gift of faith. What's the gift of faith? It's speaking or doing something. Speaking is a form of doing in Acts 3.5, they said to the man at the gate, beautiful, stand up, rise up, and walk. And he jumped up and he began to walk. So that's the gift of faith when something is spoken. It's a lot like prophecy, but something very supernatural happens as a result. It isn't just telling you something. It's causing a suspension of the natural laws of nature to be overruled and superseded by something supernatural or natural. And that's what the gift of faith is. Like, for instance, me and a bunch of my buddies were out on a lake. And you've all heard this story, a lot of you. And we left the key on on our boat. We're out in the middle of this island in Lake Tinkiller in Tulsa. And we went back, and it was a cold day. None of us could have swam. We didn't, and we were dummies. We were out water skiing, and we didn't have any oars in the boat. All we, we, did have, we had some life jackets, but the, the white caps were like that that day. It was cold, and we had lunch, and... Uh, we just hung around, talked for a while. We went to get back in the boat, and somebody left the key on. Battery completely dead. And you know what we did? We laid hands on it, and we commanded it to come back to full charge. We did, it did, and then we turned, and it started. And I, I clicked the key probably 20 times, and it was dead, dead dead. Believe me, we, we kept trying to make it start, and it was dead. And when we prayed and we laid hands out, we did, everybody say, we did something. And it started, and that was a witness. I called home that Sunday, that was a Saturday, I called home, and my mom says, what were you doing yesterday about 4 o'clock? I go, why? <laughs> See, we're stranded on the island about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I go, why? She because I knew you were in trouble, and I started to pray in the Holy Ghost. She said, I prayed in tongues for about a half hour for you. She says, and I said, oh, by the way, this is what happened. <laughs> and it just happened to correlate exactly the same time. I got tons of stories like that. Amen. Philip, he did something with the Ethiopian eunuch. God made him, gave him the power to know something. He knew that there was an Ethiopian eunuch, and God says, go down to this city and you'll find this Ethiopian. How many of you know when Philip went down to the Ethiopian eunuch, he knew something. He knew where to go, and he knew that there was going to be a lost person there. God, he gave him the power to say something. When he was asking the questions, that, what do I believe? You can see that he explained to him in the Bible that Isaiah 54, 3 and 4 was talking about Jesus. And then he said it pre he preached Christ to him. And then it says he got saved. So how many of you know the Holy Ghost gave him the power to say something? Yeah. And then he gave him the power to do something. Did you know right after that in Acts 8 and verse 40, it says that he was translated to another city. 
How many of you know that, that that's in Acts? It's in Acts 8, and it's the whole story about Philip. God sent him down there by a word of knowledge, said there's a guy down there, I'm sending you to him. So that was knowledge. He empowered him to preach to him and to teach him and to answer his questions. That's the power to say something. And then lastly, to be a witness, he gave him a power to do something. And that was to baptize him. And when they came out of the water, it says he was translated to another city. How many would say, that's a witness? That guy that just witnessed to me, baptized me, just disappeared, and find out later he ended up in another city. How many know that's a pretty powerful witness of the power of God? Amen. Well, we're done for tonight. We're going to pick up. We're going to talk a lot more about this stuff next week. We're going to talk about things like is how, why tongues is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being infilled uh, initially and then being refilled continually. And that how we can be filled. How do we have this happen? How Jesus and the apostles hadn't done any miracles until they got filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And how the Holy Spirit comes after salvation and how there's refillings of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about tongues. We're going to talk about a lot of things next week.